every day, we're surrounded by people. Our days are made up of relationships. Mothers, your neighbors, spouses, golf buddies, bosses, co-workers, girlfriends, exes, friends, baristas, grocers, waiters, employees, doctors, boyfriends, fathers. With all the relationships in our lives, which ones do we fight for? And how do we fight for them? So, we've got something kind of different, a little bit of fun today. We actually have a relationship expert who I'm going to interview this morning. He has a PhD in relationships from the School of Hard Knocks, and uh, you know him as Pastor Rich, but I know him as the Reverend Dr. Richard W. Teeters, PhD in relationships, and so I'm going to interview him for a few minutes here, and we're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> Welcome him. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They were kind of trying to figure out what we were going to do there. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me start off. Uh, you and I met a little over seven years ago, and uh, we had lunch a few times, and then one day you came down to Princeton, and we had breakfast at PJ's Pancake House. And after breakfast... Great spot. Great spot. We're walking along uh, Nassau Street, Main Street in uh, downtown Princeton, and it's just crowded. There's tons of people wandering around, Wonderful. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Wonderful place, yeah. And you are saying hi to every single one of them. We can't get more than five feet when you don't start striking up a conversation with one of them. What's going through your mind when you do something like that? And I heard, in fact, before we do that, I heard that you did the same thing, you did the same thing on the train into New York City during rush hour in the morning. You're like talking to everybody in the car and trying to meet them. What in the world's going on in your mind when you're doing that? First of all, on the train thing, I only did that one time in the mornings, okay? I learned very quickly about that. Now I do it in the afternoons and evenings all the time. Uh, <laughs> what's going through my mind? Pretty much nothing, okay? Um, I will just let that one yeah, sit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's love there. He just, I, I mean, that's who I am. That's my DNA. I, I don't even think about it. I mean, it's just, that's just what I do. And, and I don't, it's not like, oh, gee, I want to talk to that person. Oh, he, she's, she's cute or he's ugly or he's, what, I don't even, that doesn't even enter my mind. It's just. You just uh, do it. They're just the person, hey, how you doing? Yeah. No intimidation, just, you just open up and do that. Okay, no, so, no. so you walk into a room full of people, 50, 75, 100 people, whatever it is, it's a party. Within 15 minutes, you are best friends with at least half the people in there. How, how do you do that? Um, I, I part of that has to do with, with obviously, part of my DNA and personality. Um, you might better understand this. When I was eight years old, my father, after giving me a Bible, before that, when I was six, when I was eight years old, he gave me a book. It was called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And he said, read this. It'll go a long ways. And then, then, and then later on in high school, my high school job, I was a fuller brush salesman for my two high school summers, which most of you don't know what the heck that means. But um, 
Um, did you, were you good at it? I was very good at it, and I did very well. All my buddies were c doing construction jobs, making at that time, you know, three or four bucks an hour. I'm just killing it, you know. And they're like, "Where are you getting all the money?" I'm like, "I'm I'm a fuller brush." What? Anyway, so that that was that was part of the thing that the, the how to win friends, influence people, really got me thinking about other people. And, and part of that, the premise of that book, and it's been years now. And by the way, all my kids, my, when they got to a certain age, I had I gave it to all my kids. One of them read it. I, now I give it to all my grandkids, and um, and um, so anyway, and one of them read that too. But um, the, the the issue is that that it's just you you start thinking about who people are. I, I, I'm you know I, I I when I go into a room, I honestly believe everyone there is more important than me, and they probably are. And, uh, and that's part of what Dale Carnegie teaches in How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, it would be years later before I would really discover this passage, um, which is in Philippians chapter 2, which is really, I mean, the Dale Carnegie book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, is really just sort of a, an application of a Bible principle. Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition. I just talked about this a couple weeks ago. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, but did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. So it, it, it would be years later that I would understand that's a biblical principle. And so when I go into a room, um, it depends on the room. I mean, in many cases, I'm there and I want to meet people because I want them to know about who I am, not because I'm important, but because I want to know about Renaissance Church. Uh, if I'm if I'm in a in a, like the Super Bowl party in two weeks, which I won't be here because I'll probably be in Giant Stadium, but but meeting all the people in Giant Stadium, all the people, the people around Stadium, you, and having them turning them from but from uh, <laughs> Seahawks the fans into uh, Broncos fans. Uh, but if I'm like here, then it's with with people in the church. I'm I'm not there. I just I just care. I want to know what's going on in their lives. Yeah. That's not that's not uh, that's just who I, I care because as a pastor I care about them. So that's a little different situation there. Then then in that situation, so you walk in. There's 50, 75 people. One of the challenges that I have is: Do you spend one minute with 50 different people, or do you spend like 30 minutes with one person and 30 minutes with another? How do you how do you do it so that you're not you're neither shallow nor uncaring about the other people how do you balance that i never try to be shallow although i am sometimes um i i want to know you know i want to get to meet each person and then i kind of look around and see who's by themselves and if people are engaged in other conversations i don't i don't always like to interrupt i might just say hey how are you doing but uh in many cases it's more just about hey how are you my name is rich and and like a guy down there's a guy down he's he's at the bar every night that's not funny but uh at Renaissance or and uh, in Windsor, his name is Douglas. Freudian slip there, but yeah. <laughs> I, every time I go in there, let me just say it that way. Um, and well, his name it's is our Douglas. Fellowship Paul. They, people who are new here, they don't realize Winberries. You always say is our fellowship. That's Paul. our fellow. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And he's down there. His name is Douglas. He's an older guy, and um, and I see him every time I see him. Douglas, I haven't seen you in church. He hasn't been here. He's never been here. I haven't seen you in church yet. When you coming up? I'm coming up, Pastor. I'm Reverend. I'm coming up. But, so, uh, you know, that's a different purpose. Obviously. Which is why you're known as the mayor of Winberries. Well, yeah. that's <laughs> I do my best to Because you know everybody. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know more people there than the manager does. But yeah. we'll, we'll move on from there. <laughs> do you have any secrets to being a people person? Anything you want to share with us? Any insights? Anything that would help us out with um, that? I mean, not really. There aren't really any secrets. I think the, the verse that, that, that <coughs> so much of my 
my motivation comes around different verses in the scriptures and, and the verse that you probably get sick of hearing me re- repeat if you've been here very long is the passage in Matthew 22 where uh, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and the first and the greatest commandment. Then he says, the second, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That drives me. That's my driving force. So if I have a secret, uh, it is that, uh, you know, I love, uh, I, I love God and love people. Love God, love people. You've heard yeah. me say that how many times? Uh, oh. At least 3,725. Yeah. yeah. I keep track of that. He's a math guy. He can do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let's, let's work off of that math kind of thing and the, the geek image that you have with technology and that sort of thing. This is your second, third, fourth iPad mini? My first here? iPad ever. Your first iPad yeah, ever. No, that's a lie. Church that's a lie. If you're here for the first time, that's a lie. I just lied. A pastor just lied. I don't know which one. I can't keep track. I can't keep track. Let's focus. We're going to focus here. Electronic communication. <laughs> we have a good relationship here. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's talk about electronic communication here. Email, Facebook, Twitter, text messages, all that sort of stuff. What is your expert opinion? Does that bring us together? Does that uh, separate us? Is it good for relationships, bad for relationships? Give us your pronouncement on that one. As he knows, and if you don't know me, I love technology. I love technology. I, um, and I um, will talk more about that in a moment. But I honestly have some concerns about this. And one of them is... With the, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to say the younger generation. I'd say a couple. You know, a few generations younger than mine. I, I'm very concerned about about the the, the cheapening of conversation, the the, the, the fact that uh, I can talk to a, not just a teen but a twenty something, and and they'll say, you know, I had a chat with so and so, and I said, well, tell me about it, and then they'll end up telling me the chat was over text. Said, that's not a chat. I don't, I don't want, that's not, that's, that's not a conversation. You can't have a conversation in 140 character little snippets all right, the time. Right, right. Yeah. And you know, some, some dirtball's phone just went off. Did you know that? Did you hear that? I right here as we're talking about technology. I, I was working on that. We're also talking about <laughs> relationships and loving God and loving people and those sorts of things too here. Love so God, right. love people. That's it. <laughs> love God, love people, baby. That's it. There you go. But no, uh, 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 seriously about, I am concerned about that with, with the whole t- technology stuff that, that. It, it, you know, we still have to have the art of conversation, of sitting down, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? What's going on in your life? And, and I'm, I'm very, very concerned about um, my, grand, my grandkids, people like that, 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 that go into a room and, and, they, and they're talking with four or five different people but not seeing them. Right. Any, but any positive aspects to the electronic Yeah, there's great positive aspects to it. I mean, it, I mean, and that's why we need to use it and not abuse it, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of both. But... But um, Charlie and I are coming back from Alabama uh, on Tuesday, and she says, oh, you know, so-and-so, you know, we haven't told them we're praying for them, and we are. And I said, well, text them and, uh, or email them. And she, you know, right there in the car driving, you know, down. She was doing the texting she, she was. I was driving. driving. She was doing the texting. Okay, good. Course. We just want to get that clarified. Of course. Right? We, okay. we always keep those separate, usually. <laughs> and, um, but, uh, and so I bet that's a great advantage. Hey, we're praying for you. Love you. Hope you're doing okay. I mean, you know. Good, good. So there was a time when you, I don't know, about two, three years ago, you told a story about you, Charlene, an iPhone, and dinner. Tell us Um, that story. Charlene and I, it may have been one of our anniversaries. Good, good. (laughs) But um, we were going going somewhere nice to dinner, and we go out to dinner a lot, but not always somewhere nice. This wasn't, you know, uh, McDonald's or Wendy's or anything. And, um, and, uh, I picked up my phone, and I just set it on the table, 
And I said, so how you doing, honey? And she's like, am I having dinner with you or you and the several hundred people that are on that iPhone? There you go. And I was like, oh, man. So I put it in my pocket and turned it off put it in my pocket. And after you told that story, my iPhone now at dinner time sits on a table out in the hallway. Ann and uh, Christine and I have dinner together just about every night, and iPhone is there, and it buzzes or it dings or it does its thing, and I have to remember, no, i got to stay focused yeah. on the people I'm with. And it's I usually, got that it's from it's you. usually me buzzing. You say, how come you're not answering your phone, right? There you go. Yeah. I yeah. got that from you, or I should <laughs> say I got it from Charlene. That was good. That's good. You've got, you've got hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of relationships how do you know, and today we're talking about fighting for relationships, how do you know which ones are worth fighting for? Um, I wish I had an acronym. I wish I had a one, two, three, four. Um, I don't. Um, we don't always know. That's not, I mean, you should answer the question. I, some relationships that I thought would last a lifetime have not. Some relationships that I thought would be temporary have become a lifetime. We don't always know. So many times we have what we, around here, we call relationships of convenience. Uh, and an example of that would be we became very good friends with the parents of both of our kids' teammates, both through high school and college. Both of our kids play high school and college sports. We became very good friends with the parents. We'd do stuff together, go out together, and we loved being with them. Most of those relationships were of convenience. It wasn't intentional, but they, you know, we just don't stay in touch anymore. Facebook a little bit, but that's about it. And so y you just don't really know, but, but that's where you got to pray and say, you know, Lord, th is this relationship really, particularly when some relationships, for whatever reason, whether it's being estrangement, whether it's being disagreements, what do I do here? So those are, the, those are some of the gray area ones, right? Obviously, right. because you can't continue right. an, a, a super close friendship with a thousand people. But are there any that you would say, absolutely? Oh, fa yeah, absolutely. Family, uh, obviously husband, wife. Right. Even then, some uh, family, kids, um, uh, even then, moms and dads, even then, some families reach because of dysfunction in various situations where, you know, you, you have to fight for it, and sometimes you're losing that fight. Right, right. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you ever give up? You never give up. You never, never give up. up. And, and the prodigal son story where the father has two sons, and, he, and one says, I want everything that, that's given to me, and he takes all of his money and takes off, and... And he goes around, you know, and, and a life of uh, uh, wine, women, and song, so to speak, and, and, and prostitutes, whatever. And, and then he loses everything. He comes back, and, and the father's like, never gives up on him. And then when he starts finally coming back, because he has no other options, the father runs to meet him. Doesn't wait him, runs to meet him. Many times we have people in our lives that we just can pray. That's yeah. all we can do. But uh, even in that story, the father didn't pursue his son. He, he let his son go. But he never stopped hoping, never stopped praying, never stopped looking, never stopped waiting. Never, never stopped really loving, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Do you, have, do you have any relationships that were valuable to you, they went south, and you fought for them, and they got restored? Yeah. Um, you. Moi? Uh, you. Um, how long we worked together? Seven, oh well, we've worked together for about six, six and a half years. Yeah. We've known each other for about seven. Um, about, I don't remember exactly, five years ago probably, doesn't matter who or why, whose fault, my fault, your fault, nobody's fault, doesn't matter. Um, you hurt me deeply a number of times. 
you didn't know you were clueless because you're pretty much a clueless guy. There we go. But, um, <laughs> Appreciate that. That's why I love you so much because you tell in it the, like in it this is. Regard, you love God, love people. Love God, yeah. love people. Um, but in all seriousness, you hurt me deeply. We've been we've worked through this, but but um, to the point where I didn't want to talk to you. I was just like, ah, oh, Clay, what a dirt ball. I don't know. I, that wasn't the words that I used, but um, yeah, you did. I used other <laughs> words too, but we won't say them here. And um, um, and it was a real problem for me. And um, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I was just like, heck with it, you know. Um, and over a period of time, I knew there's something bigger here that's bigger than than Rich or Clay or whatever else I might think about you. Um, obviously, the much bigger picture is church and God and people. And, um, and I thought, okay, something's got to happen here because this isn't okay. So how did the, from your perspective, I obviously could tell the story from my perspective, but from yours, how did the reconciliation process It, play it took out? a long time. And, and after a, actually a couple of years of me feeling this way and feeling this hurt, um, I, I decided, and I, it was God working in my life, the Holy Spirit, work, I got to do something about this. So um, I invited you to lunch at my club. I remember the table. And, um, and, and we started. And really, before I ever got into it, you said, I want you to know you're right, I'm wrong, and I'm very sorry. Before you even knew I was going to ask, yeah. before you even knew I was going to say something like, you're a blankety-blankety-blank, and you've hurt me badly for a number of years, and I'm, you know. Which, which not tooting either of our horns, but in a sense, we were both we trying were the, to we, we repair did. the and relationship We both knew there, there yeah. was this, this, this barrier, this, this wall, barrier, yeah. or whatever, yeah. the, whatever that might be. Even though that, and okay, that was the first launch, it took me about a year. I mean, it, I mean, you know, I, I didn't say, okay, lunch is over. I forgive you. We're good. Let's go. No, right. it took me a freaking year yeah, to yeah. work through all that. Well, because when you think about it, if you think about it like a bank account, if there's a big withdrawal, it yeah. takes a lot of, an awful lot of small deposits to rebuild right. that there. Right. Yeah. And that's it, true. And, and this is true whether it, this is between you and me, but this is true also husbands and wives and other right. people that, and family members and so forth. So talk about the relationship then between forgiveness and the restoration of trust. For, first, okay, first I had to be very honest with you, and, and that, that was putting my place, putting myself in a very vulnerable position. Right. To say, here's what, you know, you, you've hurt me deeply. That's not something people normally say to each other, and, and uh, maybe husbands and wives can say it easier than two guys. But uh, so I had to be very honest, and I had to listen. You know, and, 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 and then as I listened, and, and again, now I remember the first lunch, but there were many lunches and many right. sit-downs and talks after that for, for a, a, almost a year, a little over a year, actually. And, uh, and then I think where the light began to shine, the, the, the sun coming through the clouds, so to speak, was when we decided that we needed to, aside from all of our, we have prayer times as a staff and all this other stuff, but when you and I decided privately we needed just to pray together. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's really when it started that I, okay, and, and again, I can't emphasize enough, this took time. And, um, and then when, once we started that, then I, God really began to work in my heart, and, and you, you obviously well, changed some things. Well, both of us. Yeah. 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 Good, good. 
So what is a what is a real apology to, from from your perspective? What does a real apology look like as opposed to what we see on the news about three times a week? You know, mistakes were made, et cetera. Kind yeah. of a politician, kind of an apology. A real apology looks like this: I'm sorry, I was wrong. No, if you were offended, I'm sorry. Right. No, if I if this I'm so, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And, you know, even when I've had to do those, even when I didn't feel like I was that wrong, there's always some element of something in there where I can recognize, well, i got to own that. You ever, are you ever not even 1% wrong? Like it's 100% I'm not. I, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always a little more than 1% wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Good. Good. Well, it's, it, it's, it's there was challenging. There was one time. Yeah, no, no. Well, in our own minds, it's often <laughs> yeah, that case, yeah, exactly. but, but in reality, it's not, yeah. So let me turn it to, to something more positive as opposed to how do we restore or fight for a failing relationship. What do you do to help a relationship to grow and to flourish? One that's doing fine, but you just want it to be even more, even better than what it already is. Um, obviously, I'm going to use a word here. It's going to, some of you are going to come roll your eyes, maybe, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, communication. Communication is everything when it comes to, um, you know, when you talk about love, it involves communication, it involves honor, it involves, uh, uh, you know, even body language at, at, at times and, 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 and other things. And we have to do that. I mean, uh, the, the eye roll thing, I use that because uh, for a long time, and I have permission to use this story, um, and have you heard, some of you have heard me talk about this, my wife for a long time, and, and I would cause it. She, she would do the old eye roll thing. Oh, there's Rich again, you know. To the point, it just bugged the heck out of me. And, it, and then, then my daughter started doing it, you know. Now my granddaughters do it, you know. And is it's it, like, is it I don't know what Is it genetic? Is that what you're trying to say? Or what? Is it genetic? <laughs> it must be. Uh, it has, uh, have you ever had an eye roll? Has Ann ever done an eye roll to you? I don't recall no, Ann ever doing an eye good, roll at that's me. That's why. But anyway, because you're such a good boy. So, um, <laughs> Charlene Love actually <laughs> went through great effort. She's had, and it's been years. She's she, because she loves me. I'm not gonna. Uh, she's not gonna do the eye roll. She knows what it did. It made me feel like a like a bad boy, so to speak. It made me feel, you know, it, like it was, you know, like you're you're an idiot. You're this. You're that. It, it, it's a body language. It's a small thing. But you know, it's about love and respect. What's interesting about that is the eye roll apparently bothers you to no end, which I need to remember if I need to use that at some point. But. <laughs> Love God, you, love people. You right? have, you have. You there you go. Yeah. There you go. It doesn't bother me a whole lot. And and I think part of her loving you is saying, okay, this bothers Rich so much that I'm not going to do that. Right, you know, right. Because it, it's that's, exactly right. that's one of your buttons it, it was. That, that she but, pushes. But part of that whole nurturing of that relationship also, in my part, has to be restraint as well. I know right. some people say I don't have a filter. I have a filter. I have to have a filter. Because if I said everything I think, I would have nobody who cared about me whatsoever if I said everything I think. And, 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 you know, you got some verses like uh, uh, Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, a harsh word stirs up anger. Uh, later on in that chapter in Proverbs, uh, there's a passage that says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, the mouth of the fool gushes evil. You notice I didn't look down at my notes to read that. I have those verses memorized. Why do you think I have those verses memorized? I'll let you figure that out. Um, it's called popping off, you know. While we're on the subject of Charlene, you guys have been married for 40, how many? Two, 42 40, years. 42, 42 years. years. Mm -hmm. I want to know what 
her secret is how can she stay married to you for 42 years? Are you kidding me? No, I am I'm a party serious. a minute. I'm the most fun guy in the world. Are you kidding? I mean, you know, I walk in the house, it's party, baby. Come on. There you go. Would she say the same thing if I asked her that question? Probably not. Probably not. No. So <laughs> what is, what's, what's her secret? Um, her, her secret is the same secret that I have, and that is um, she's quick to forgive. She has to do it more than I do. Um, she's quick to confront. Um, she's easy for me to confront and to say, I don't like that. Wait, let, I'm going to interrupt you. You're talking about confrontation here which sounds like a very negative, you know, in-your-face, yeah. attacking kind of a thing, but I don't think that's the way you mean it. No, kind it's of not expand negative. on that a little bit. I mean, what happens on that, so many times in marriages and, and in relationships of any kind, uh, we just sort of settle for it. Okay, I don't particularly like that, and then we don't, we don't say anything, because, well, it, and it's hard sometimes, because, okay, am I going to make a thing? And obviously you have to choose your battles, we all know that. But, but what happens then, you have enough of those in a marriage, particularly in a marriage, um, which, which you you know, you really shouldn't get out of. Some people do, and I understand those things happen. But for the most part, we we all believe we're married uh, for life, um, and 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 so you let those things pass, which is okay sometimes. But we have we can't do that all the time. And sometimes we have to say, wait, this isn't okay with me. And that's what I would call a confrontation. This isn't okay with me. Or can we do a little more in this area? Or can we have a little more spice here? Whatever it might be. So what's your goal in that confrontation? What are you trying to accomplish? My, my goal in that conversation is to be honest and open about what I like or don't like, what you like or don't like, and is there, a, is there a place where we can meet in the middle? So ultimately it's the strengthening of the relationship, not the triumph over the no, other person. No, no, yeah, that's like a great that. point. Thank you. Yeah. It's yeah. not to win. It's to, let's, let's figure this out together. We both win. The other thing is I think about your relationship and having known you now for seven years and Charlene and seeing you speak of her in public, you never speak negatively of your wife in public. Well, first of all, I don't have that many negative things to say about her, but, but um, I don't and she doesn't either. I mean, neither one of us, we've always been very, even aside from being a, a pastor, um, we do not speak negatively of each. You'll never hear her say anything negative and, and trust me, she has many negative things she can say about me. Uh, she will not, nor do I her. I don't have as many. But there are a couple. But um, uh, and 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 but we have trusted friends. We're very careful. We we still talk to others. We don't just keep that to ourselves. Right. But you, and I think that w w even if you're not in a in like a pastor or something, I think we we all have to kind of be careful with it. I mean, I hate that when I hear that, and I have close friends and and, and you know that who do that, and I, and I know it. It's it's you, you got to have those friends, but limited. Right, so it's, you're not airing your dirty laundry in public, but you have people who will help right. you speak right. into so, you know, we're having, the you know, challenges that we're you guys struggling have. struggling with this or that or right. whatever it might be. Good, good. Continuing on the theme of, of people who are valuable to you, who've been friends to you, besides Charlene, do you have any examples of people who have been helpful to you, who've supported you, who've been friends to you when you've needed them? And, and if so, what, what have they done to, to help and encourage you and to strengthen a friendship with you? I mean, there, there are many. One, one example. Besides me. Uh, pardon? Besides me. Besides you. Okay. You've been, you actually, you, you have been. But um, yeah, so we got through all that other stuff. Um, when, I left, when I left the church in Colorado, where I was for there for 18 years, 
100 miles from Denver, Broncos. Oh, never mind. Anyway, um, it was a very, very difficult time for me. I was beaten up. I was burned out. I was just feeling no value. I mean, you know, just terrible. And one of my very good friends, second homeowner in Vail, um, I'm, most of you probably don't know him, but he was a, he was a pretty big deal uh, Christian in the Christian music world. He uh, he'd, he'd, you know traveled the world literally, still does traveled the world doing uh, doing gigs and and uh, multi uh, Grammy as well as Dove, which is a Christian music award, award winner, and uh, just a big deal. And uh, we were good good buddies, golf buddies, and became more than that. Our families became close, and he could see that I was hurting badly, and he said, Rich. I'm going to call you every night. I mean, I mean, that doesn't sound like a big deal. It's a big deal for him. I'm going to call you every night until I'm, until I'm sure you're okay. And he did. And it was probably, I don't know, six, to, six weeks to mo- two months, somewhere in there, that he would yeah. call me every night. Rich, this is on, so I'm, you doing okay? And we talked for a few minutes. And I'll never forget that. Huh. And I still remind him. I still see him. We, still, we only see each other now once a year or so. Right. But uh, um, I, I always remind him how much that meant to me. How did that? Obviously, it affected your friendship, your relationship with him. You, you know, you you count him as as a close friend, even though you don't see him right. uh, very right. often anymore. How did that affect the rest of your life? Kind of the course of your life going forward. In other words, that that friendship. How did that? Just help some you? basic basic things, and it, it made me realize that I was my worth wasn't just in what I did just in my title or my position, my work. Um, it made me realize that I was worth and I was of value just as a person. And um, that meant a lot to me at the time. I mean, it was really, I mean, I was in a bad place and I was all messed up. I was all jacked out of shape. So that, that was, uh, I mean, incredibly meaningful to me. Yeah. And Charlene at the same time was great too, but you know, that's, that's part of it. We talk a lot about, well, you Today, we've talked a lot about loving God and loving people. How do those two connect? What's, how does our relationship with God relate to our relationship with people? How would you put that together? When, I'm, when my relationship with God is where it needs to be, I'm a better friend. I'm a better husband. I'm a better um, father, grandfather, pastor. Because my relationship with God, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm where I need to be with that relationship, I'm constantly aware that he loves me unconditionally. He loves me. He accepts me warts and all. My professor used to say, warts in my nose and all. No offense if you have a wart in your nose. Um, um, he, 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 he loves me. He accepts me for who I am no matter what. He forgives me. He, he loves he, his grace. Um, when I, when I'm, my relationship with God is, is where it needs to be, then I'm able to take those same qualities. I can never love like God loves. But, but I can strive for it, and mm-hmm. I do strive for it. When I, when I understand that about my relationship with God, I'm, I can be much better friend, husband, father, whatever, uh, pastor, because I understand those qualities and how important they are to me, and I can seek to reflect those. Just an example? In other words, the, the way that God loves you and is a, is a friend to you in a sense, just an ex- is that just an example, or is it deeper than that? No, it's, it's not just the example. It, it's, it, it's in, it becomes part of my, my DNA. And the longer I live and the more I grow in my relationship with Christ, and the longer that is, the more I realize I need to grow, right. um, the more it becomes of who I am. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's That's like forgiveness. 
I mean, and one of the things that came into play with me and you is one of the things that kept hitting me, and I didn't want to forgive you because you were just such an idiot. Um, love I love God, how love, you helped me remember love that, God, too. Love people. Um, it, it, one of the things that really hit me was um, Colossians 3.15. Um, forgive others as Christ forgives you. And, and for a, a period of time, and I didn't say anything to you at the time, we've talked about it since, um, every time I saw you and I would think of all the stuff that was building up inside of me, I would think somewhere more in there, God started saying to me, forgive him like I've forgiven you. Well, I mean, you, whatever you do to me, then, now, in the future, you could never sin against me as much as I've sinned against God. But the challenge there is we so often feel like you've sinned against me so much more than I've sinned exactly. against you or against yeah, God. Exactly. And we it's getting that, getting that straight. As and, then, and then we get to the point it. where we say, well, he hasn't asked me to for, for his forgiveness yet. And I'm like, and, and, and when we sit down, you actually did, which was a shock to me at the time. Um, but we, we don't wait on that. We can't wait on that. Otherwise, it's, you, I remember you saying once, uh, holding bitterness inside is kind of like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. was one of my therapists told me one time. It's, it's great. I mean, it, it's, it's what it's bitterness is what it does. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's so challenging, but I've always appreciated the way in, in your life, but also in your messages on, on the weekends, you keep emphasizing those points. And it, it's, it's yeah, well, that's, that's helpful. That's so much, it's so much about who I am yeah. in the Lord as well. So I'm looking at the clock. We just got a few minutes left here. Want to give people a, a chance to uh, to chat with you afterwards, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, any final thoughts you want to share with us? Any takeaways? Any parting words of wisdom? Yeah. Um, this is going to be a little repetitious, but I hope you can be a bear with me. The key to any relationship, I believe, is grace. Um, those of you who know me know that my favorite play, movie, is uh, Les Miserables. I've seen every movie, and re repeatedly. I've seen every play rendition that's been in this area. I haven't seen the new one that just started, again, the, 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 the revival, but I will. Uh, I saw the, uh, the original at least three times, maybe four times. And um, that last, those of you who know the play, that last final confrontation between Jean Valjean and I, you know, I've always related to Jean Valjean. I haven't stolen bread to feed my family, but I've done a lot worse. And um, in that last confrontation he has with Javert, and if you don't know the play, Javert is the sheriff, the lawman that has chased him all of his life to try to hold up the law. You broke the law. You broke the law. I always think of Javert sometimes as people, sometimes in church. You did wrong. You did wrong. You know, um, and. Um, the last confrontation between Jean Vert and, and, and Jean Valjean, and Jean Valjean can kill him, but he doesn't. And in one particular movie, it's an older, one of the older movies, I remember Jean Vert saying, why, why don't you kill me? You can't. And Jean Valjean says this, and this is in this particular movie, I, I wrote the words down. A long time ago, someone showed me grace and forgiveness, and it changed my life. I'm Jean Valjean. A long time ago, someone showed me grace and forgiveness. Jesus. And now all I care about is telling people about that grace and forgiveness that comes through Christ.
and modeling that grace and forgiveness wherever I go and however I live. Amen. Thank you. Would you pray for us? Yes, I will. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to sit here and talk about how you have worked in my life and Clay's life together and many of our lives through our friendships, relationships, marriages, whatever it might be. We thank you for the opportunity to share. We thank you, Lord, most of all for the grace that comes in understanding who you are, our Lord and our Savior, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's thank the uh, Reverend Dr. Oh, Teeters. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, the, doctor, the doctor will be holding uh, office hours down on the patio, public office hours in the patio, and perhaps in Winberries afterwards. Hope you guys have a great week. Go Broncos! Go Broncos, baby. God bless. <laughs>